0: To the Orient Outly Podcast, sponsored by AJF Plast, and with myself, Steve Nusbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only D- Daddy O, it's Mr. Paul Levy.
1: Thank you very much indeed. What a tremendous welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number two four five. Can't quite believe we've powered through the two hundreds. Um, yeah, blows my mind still that uh, that we've got to this many episodes. So first and foremost, just want to say thanks to everyone who listened to last week's show. Well over 800 listens on, on our SoundCloud uh, stats, which is absolutely fantastic. So thanks to to all of you. It's a bit of a longer one as well, so appreciate you taking the time to, to listen. This week, we've just got one match to review, uh, as well as the week that was, that turned out to be more eventful than, than you'd imagine. Um, loads of reactions from yesterday's. Uh, performance, and I use that term loosely. Uh, so I think <laughs> let's cr- <laughs> so let's crack on. Uh, and as always, we start with a word from our sponsor.
0: Yeah, who joined us last week. So I think we
1: should probably say a massive thank well you done. to Francis, yeah. who was excellent. He on was last And as you all must know by
0: now, we are proudly sponsored by AGF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work. And you must know they specialise in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans. And fingers crossed, still staff and still players after the last couple of weeks. So for more information, and if you want the best plastering, and rendering prices around. There's a few ways you can get in touch with Adam and the boys. You can go online, visit uh, the website at www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can email the team at ajfplastering.outlook.com at or you can go on social media. They are not having a blackout. They are very much alive on social media. You can find them at AGF Plastering on Facebook and on Instagram and you can find them via Adam on Twitter
1: at BigAdsLO.com fc nicely done great plug there so moving on there just the one piece of aob from our friend lee deering that's at gorillas 1985 on twitter he messaged us to say that he set up a just giving page and he's looking to raise 1000 pounds for the je3 foundation as he'll be running 10k for the first time in over two years and as an incentive to donate when you do, make sure that you put the time that you think Lee will finish his 10K and the closest guests will win a signed Leighton Orient shirt. And for every minute Lee runs over an hour, he'll be donating an extra £10. So that gives you a bit of an insight into where Lee thinks he, he hopes to be done by. So good luck, Lee. Well done, mate. That's That's really proud. I personally, I hate running and I admire people that love it. Um, so good luck to you mate I'll be sponsoring you and um, yeah great cause as well
0: yeah brilliant stuff good luck to Lee there on his 10k so let's move on into the week that was at the O's let's start on Coulson Monday the 26th of April it was a quiet day at the club but not on the airwaves as episode 244 of the Orient Outlet podcast was taking the world by storm <laughs> I did get a few messages praising me for my uh Passionate and emotional um, views on the performance against Southend. So, thanks to everyone who's listening um, yeah. tonight because obviously it's not been the best couple of weeks for the But we do, like Paul said, appreciate all the listeners. It wasn't the most glorified podcast, but I think we put some great points forward and just showed our emotion and frustration as fans of the club at the moment.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think Adam picked up on that as well, and, and he was really quite emotive and frustrated. Uh, in equal measure about that and yeah it's just and like we said last week you know it's not just us out to be you know terrible horrible people towards the club you know we know that the people running the club have got the best interests at the club at, at heart and, and making sort of hard decisions um, but it's it's just it's just a you know a season's worth of frustrations now that have kind of come to a, a crescendo really so no um, you made a lot of great points and I, I just found last week's show really insightful from a perspective of hearing what other people's thoughts are and it seems there's a lot of people you know with with the same sort of similar viewpoints. so yeah thanks to everyone that took time out to to first of all listen to it because as I say it wasn't the shortest of shows that we've ever done and by the same token, to message us with their views. Whether you agree or disagree, it's absolutely fine. It's really not a problem to us. We just put put our views over with, with, with loads of others. But anyway, moving on then to Who to Ate Tuesday. We're now on the 27th of April, and it was a real proper busy day uh, because it was happy two-year promotion anniversary. So happy Happy anniversary, everyone. Yeah, happy
0: anniversary, bearded legend. I can't
1: believe that was two years ago. What a day. I think yeah. anyone who listens to this podcast knows about
0: our kind of weekend and was there and had her own experiences. I actually went back uh, on Tuesday and listened to episode 212, which was the episode we recorded last year on the year anniversary, and to hear people again talking about that day, and people who have since kind of left the club or, or don't really speak on podcasts often. And so like recently, the goalkeeping coach, I thought that was really good hearing Elliot Byrne, who's moved on to Pastures New, talk about the day from a media perspective and all the prep that had to go into that and the way Justin was feeling kind of away from the cameras, I thought was great. Mm. And it was still really difficult to listen to kind of Charlie, Kerry and Sydney. I mean, you can hear them barely get through their messages, you know, when they're talking about the day and their memories of of their dad or, you know, her husband in that. So I really, I really treasure that episode in particular as one of our... Podcasts that we've done because that is a historical document that was there from people at the time, from everyone who mattered mostly. And it completely kind of passed me by that we had we put Justin's speech
2: on at the end. Mm. That I didn't realize that we'd done so. You get Kerry talking,
0: and I thought that was the last bit. And then we bring in Justin's message from the changing room about you know when we get to the airport, and you hear the boys like raw and like, the, like even now talking about that the back of my the hairs on the back of my neck stand up now mm. talking about that do you know what i mean so i'm very proud of that episode so shameless plug if you haven't listened to that because that was recorded over lockdown when obviously there was a lot more important things going on than listening to an orient podcast um back last april but if you hadn't listened to it and i i hadn't listened to it when we pulled it out that was the first time i actually listened to it back episode 212 go and listen to it if you're not feeling great about Orion go and listen to episode 212 and I guarantee you within the first 10 minutes you will be smiling like a Cheshire cat
1: absolutely agree absolutely agree moving on then uh, unfortunately uh, from that nostalgic moment (laughs) um, the club revealed its nominations six of them for goal of the season and they are Joby McEnough's against Plymouth Joby's also against Bolton Danny Johnson's against Harrogate Joby's against Southend Danny Johnson's against Salford and Connor Wilkinson's against Carlisle. I mean, Joby's in for half of them. I mean, if he doesn't win, he's going to feel uh, pretty hard done by, I think. Um, But my first thoughts were kind of, obviously the season's not over, so I always struggle to understand how we're able to still do this when there's still games to be played. But then I remembered how well we've played recently and realised we won't really need to wait for any other goal of the season contenders because they're just not going to be coming. So... Fair play, so, and, and all of those goals are well worth, uh, worthwhile contenders, so yeah, well done to those guys. Yeah, some very good goals,
0: I think out of that list, my personal favourite is probably Danny Johnson against Harrogate Town, just for the audacity of that finish, beautiful finish there, but it could be, there's not one goal who, which is out of place within that list, so, you know, the winner will be fair, it will be square. Like you said, Joby, three out of six. So, you know, 50% are winning there for Joby. So moving on during the day then, at around lunchtime, the club announced that the O's have been nominated in two categories for the 2021 Football Business Awards. So they've been nominated for the Sponsorship Award between themselves and Harry Kane and for the marketing initiative for the Ultimate team Tournament. So the event mm. takes place on the 6th of July in London where the winners will be announced. So good luck to the guys attending. I mean, you know, that ultimate quarantine was amazing. When you look back at that, some of the clubs who joined in terms of how big some of those clubs were, clubs from all over the world, and the Hurricane Partnership, you know, that's been reported mm. on, you know, through CNN and EA, you know, so best of luck to the team. I'm sure we'll hear, you know, if they're successful around the 6th of July. So good luck.
1: I don't think you'll find two more unique ideas <laughs> ever. Will you? I mean, absolute brilliant, brilliant, brilliant ideas they are. And and to get them executed, I mean, it's all very well and good having the ideas. But for Harry Kane to want to do it is, you know, he, he, he didn't have to. He didn't have to at all. You know, he's a global, well-known person, brand almost. But the fact that he has the humility, if you like, and the humbleness to to, to still, you know, look at Leighton Orient as you know the first team that gave him his pro debut back in January 2011 uh, or around that sort of time is is absolutely brilliant and the quarantine I mean I'm not an online gamer at all I haven't picked up a, Play- a PlayStation or a- I'll tell you how far I go back Sega Master System love it um so yeah so I I it's all of that kind of stuff is it's not beyond me but it's not in my sphere if you like so Good luck to the team. I'm. I hope you win because I think I don't think anyone else is going to come up with a better initiative or better sponsorship solution than than that. Um, XO Romain Vincelo announced that he's going to be retiring from the game at the end of the season. He's currently at Stevenage and he's decided that, or his body's decided, that it doesn't want to carry on anymore and his brain has agreed. So basically, we wish Romain well for the future. We sent him messages and he was very kind to respond uh, on WhatsApp, so... Thoroughly nice guy And we wish him Every success for the future Not that he's going to Listen to this Or hear it But just so that Everybody knows <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again another shameless plug For our back catalogue We interviewed Romain Just after he left The club for Coventry So if you're A relatively new Listener And haven't gone back Into our archives If you listen on SoundCloud We do have an interview Playlist Go within that playlist And you'll not only Find Romain's interview But loads From back in the day With you know Matt Lockwood Lizby. Moses, Baldry, you know, most John of that playoff
1: team, and most of playoff team we, 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 you know, we were lucky enough to speak to most of them, along with Slade, you know, we done Slade, what, five years ago, so yeah. go back, and if, if Vince Lowe, that was a great interview, he was very honest um, when talking
0: about certain things, and you know, he spoke about moves to bigger clubs falling through, and he wasn't bitter about it, and you know, we spoke in depth about Wembley about how frustrating that game was, um, and how the season after didn't pan out so well for him. But a real good interview, and like Paul said, we're still very much in contact with Romain. He came back. There's always there'll always be a, a spot in his heart for the Orient. So, you know, we wish him well in his retirement. So, still on Tuesday, then. So, although the O's weren't in action. There were quite a few League Two fixtures played and the outcome of these results of sulfur jumped into the last playoff place and with that, making the mathematically impossible for the O's now to make it into the playoffs. So that was the playoff dream well and truly, mathematically over. But we must say congratulations to Cheltenham Town who were promoted on Tuesday. And for me, I fully believe in karma, like totally, a good turn gets another good turn. And I've got no qualms of Cheltenham going up for the way their fans handled, you know, the Justin passing and them being the first opponents of Brisbane Road um, since his passing. And Mm. we, again, through the contacts of the podcast, we're still quite close to the 1887 Red Army and message them, um, message James from them on the full time whistle to say congrats. And, you know, they were loving it. So fair play to them. And it just shows you it's not about the size of the club in League 2. It's how you approach it. It's about the players you get in. It's about the management and it's about the team spirit. It's all about that. It's not about, you know, having the money to, to fund it because they're not the the the, the best-funded club. It's not about being the biggest club in League 2 because by far, away not the biggest club in League 2. But it's all about passion, desire, fight and getting that spirit. And it's shown their personal season. And they deserve to go up and hopefully this time next year be the legend we're able to
1: say that about a new O's thing well well there you are there you are <laughs> there you are uh, so we move on then to Wednesday the 28th of April uh, this turned out to be an eventful afternoon uh, don't really feel for the right reasons as the club Announced, I think in in good faith and in good conscience. Absolutely, uh, they announced via a statement on their website that is going to be set. They're going to be setting up under the Leighton Orient FC name a full structure for ladies football, which will incorporate setting up an academy for young girls right through to a senior ladies team competing in the in the ladies leagues. Um, this will mean the current team that are operating under the Orient ladies name will no longer be able to use this name. So for those that don't know, a, a team called Kick United, K-I-K-K, approached the previous ownership about using the Orient uh, name and they agreed to it, which is why we've worded our um Message, if you like, the way we have. The ladies' team responded to the club statement with their own statement that seemed to point the finger at the club as bullies and uncooperative, and that they really kind of left them in the lurch. And then that forced the club to put out a second and what turned out to be their final statement, countering uh, their version of events and correcting it with what they feel was their version of events. Loft also put out their version of events that kind of mirrored what the club had said. Uh, when dealing with the ladies' team. So I think we both agree that this all got a little bit messy. Um, Saw loads of fans, I saw loads of fans jumping at the opportunity to have a pop at the club when many really didn't know the facts, probably haven't ever been to a ladies' game, couldn't care less about them, couldn't name a player, couldn't name their manager, but just loved to have a dig at the club. And so it kind of, you know, it was like, you know... um, Giving petrol to an arsonist, really. Um, It's a shame how it all turned out. You know, basically, the club want to run their own their own ladies team with a with a full structure for. I think I think it's under eight upwards. So, you know, it's a shame how that all turned out. But you know, that's not something that we're going to be moving into any further than what we've just said there. I think that's our statement of things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a shame. You know, we've we've had the pleasure of talking to people like Hayley Barton, who's been on
1: you know a couple of years ago. You know, we obviously got Chris Rayford, the
0: manager. Chris. Danielle been on as well. So they were all nice guys. And obviously a lot of them took to Twitter to express their disappointment, which is understandable because, you know, the club that you play for or work for pull away, I guess, in their eyes. So it's a shame how it's happened because it did seem like there was a good relationship between um, the club and the ladies team. But not to be, but, you know... The club, obviously Nigel and Kent,
1: and I want to take it in their own in their own way, which they are doing. And, and it's, it's fair shame enough.
0: happens, and it's I fair guess enough. We, we just move on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to give opportunities to, to a much younger age group as well. So it, it completely makes sense to me. I completely understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Just you know, we can't get involved. We're not going to get involved with the politics of what may or may not have happened. So let's move on.
0: Yeah. So Thursday, the 29th of April, quiet day at the club no news to report.
1: Yep, so that means we're already on Mooney Friday, the 30th of April, the last day of April, and on this day, 100 years ago, history was made when the Prince of Wales, who was later to become, the King, to become King Edward VIII, visited Millfields Road Stadium to see Clapton Orient play Notts County, which was the first time that a member of the Royal Family had attended a football league match. The Prince's visit was a mark of respect for the O's service in the Great War.
2: Wow. Yeah, lovely. Wow.
0: Lovely to be here, yeah. Or wow. Full of history, making history since 1881. Later in the day, the club announced that its credit scheme had been expanded to include all adult and concession twenty 2020, twenty twenty-one season card holders who can now apply for credit. Towards next season. Totally the right decision. Well done to all
1: involved in that one. So we move on then to Saturday the 1st of May. And well done to you for picking up on this, Steve, because I didn't see this. But the Young O's were in action against Gillingham and they won the game 5 1. So well done to the Young O's. Shame it's not really covered better, so we can really learn more about the younger teams that are in action, in my yeah, view. Yeah, good point. Obviously, it's a social media
0: blackout, but obviously, we, took, we learned that um, through other accounts. On Twitter, so well done to the young O's five one at Gillingham, amazing. Well done, amazing. So time to move on in to the main event. As it was the final home game of the season for the O's, as we welcome Carlisle United. And as always, before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. And after two hundred and twenty one votes in twenty four hours, you voted as follows: with twenty seven percent of you thinking the game would end in a draw, thirty two percent thinking Orion would win the game. But a majority of 41% saying the O's would lose the game. And as always, thank you for all of your votes on our Twitter poll.
1: Yeah, so at 2 o'clock the team was announced with Lawrence Vigarou in goal, Akinola, Turley, Happy, Widderson across the back four with Cissé, Mackinough, Kemp, uh, Brof- uh, Kemp across the middle with Brophy, Dennis and Wilkinson up top with Sergeant Ling, Clay Freeman, Satoriu, Abrahams, and Johnson taking their places on the bench.
0: Yeah, so quite a few changes for this squad. That meant there were four changes for the O's. In came Jamie Turley, in came Joe Willowson, along with Usise and Joby McEnough, at the expense of Sam Ling, Nick Freeman, Hector Kiprianu, and probably most surprisingly, superstar DJ Danny Johnson.
1: Yeah, I mean. Not quite sure why there's so much tinkering. You know, it's, I've said it millions of times and bored us, not bored, but sort of people probably be sick of me saying it about having a settled squad. You know, there's still a bit of pride to be played for here. Um, But a game that means very little for us as our playoffs hopes were ended in the midweek, you know, we can still have a say on who may or may not be involved in the playoffs. Um, you know, with regards to the team, it's, but for me, that's like, bye Dan Johnson, thanks very much, good luck and all the best. Um, not sure why Joby's decided to play himself today when arguably it would have been better to play himself last week in a game yeah. that mattered more. go um, up top as the lone striker, why, why try that now? Why not have done that last week? Why not have done that the week before or the week before that? You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. it, I'm I very confused by it. There doesn't seem to be much of a... I, oh, I don't understand the thought process. I don't understand why, to be honest with you. And that, that annoys me a bit, to be honest with you. It's
0: almost like you listened to the podcast last week and took down everything people have been saying and put, oh, yeah, I might try that, actually. Because, you know, for me, arguably, right, it's it's a bit of tinkering, which she goes, fair enough. But arguably... That's the most balanced side of all season that we've seen. Because everyone is playing, in theory, where they should be playing. You've got Connor Wilkinson, a centre-forward, playing as a centre-forward. You've got a right-forward in Dennis, playing right-forward. You've got James Brophy, who's who's playing on the left-forward. You've got Joe Widowson, left-back, at left-back. You've got two central midfielders and central midfielders. So arguably, it's definitely, for me, I looked at it and I thought, the only one who's Debatable there yeah, is Akinola. Although he, he can, can play right back, he's not really a right back. He's more of a centre back, but he can play there. But arguably, that is the most balanced team we've seen. But yeah, like you, like why now?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: why not? That 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 was the team to play last week against the South End team. Mm. Surely, um, as you can imagine, lots and lots of views on this one. So mm. even though there was a social media blackout, we still were able to get the team off the mm. website. We got the image. Loads of people were still tweeting about it. LOFC Chaz. So playing our best left back now when it doesn't matter what the result is, and playing himself when it doesn't matter and he won't play next year, and still insisting with Brophy despite his poor form, saying it's a strange.
1: Selection. Adam E. Woodenhead said, Nice to see Wids back in the team. Max probably not playing him up, f- Max probably playing him up front or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, nice little sarcastic tweet. There from Adam <coughs> Adam Finch 4 says, 11 of them, a mixture of players with attacking skills and some more defensively minded. One man as a keeper, an unadventurous selection in all those respects. Hashtag sack the manager I so said Alan Finch not happy whatsoever
1: not at all Antique Mouse said what I couldn't give to see the O's play with two strikers so to your point earlier Steve about him listening to the podcast if he was listening that much he'd have played four four two from about 25 games ago
0: <laughs> you wait till next Saturday Joby you know what to do my love Joby Mack. I know you're listening boy you put this on um Liam, NuFC, 1978. Says, to be honest, I don't think the lineup is relevant because this is basically a pre-season friendly, as our playoff bid is over.
1: Yeah, John Crab Three said, "I've got no idea what the thought process is anymore. Why bring back Widdison now? Final hurrah for Joby. Goodbye, Clay and DJ. Brophy to do something constructive should be a laugh this afternoon."
0: Andy Smith, 1881, is says, very strange selection. I feel for Willowson as he came back into the team. He did well, didn't deserve to get dropped. And now the season is over, he comes back in.
1: Orient Liam said, DJ and Clay gone, I reckon. As long as Viggs, Turley, Brophy and Wilco are tied down, that's good for me. And I guess yeah. in two-podcast time, it will probably be time for our, us to give our views on who stays and who goes, right?
0: absolutely will do absolutely will do but obviously you know you see Johnson drop you see Clay drop you see that regular first team has dropped and you can only assume that as probably as they've played there's other players who've played just as poor who still start the game so rightly or wrongly there's a big assumption that especially DJ is off at the end of the season and obviously if anything does happen we will keep you Posted. So the match kicked off on this one sunny day in E10 with the O's looking to restore some pride to the shirt after the recent losses meant the playoffs were impossible against the Carlisle team on their own poor 1 4, meaning that their playoff dreams were
1: in tatters as well. And it was a dream start for the O's as Connor Wilkinson gave us the lead in the third minute. A long ball from Tunji Akinola saw Connor Wilkinson out muscle and beat his defender to get one on one with the Carlisle keeper Norman. And who kept his call? Uh, sorry, and Wilkinson kept his call to shoot the ball under him and give the O's an early one-nil lead. It took you wow. well there, Connor. Yeah, but, you know
0: that ep- epitomises everything about him: strength, anticipation, and when he gets into the position to finish it, he's always quite a cool character. Mm. Slotted it home, and a great start after three minutes. You know, thinking that is exactly the response
1: we wanted to see after last week's performance. I, do you know, I absolutely agree with everything you said, and a special mention for a fantastic pass from Tunji Akinola. That was inch perfect, that pass, and he's done really, really well then. Not a fan of hoofball, but at the end of the day, it's got us a goal, so that's good enough for me.
0: Yeah, brilliant goal! And we had a chance, a golden opportunity to make it two 0 as we played some beautiful build-up play with Louis Dennis, who done really well on this move. Actually, Dan Kemp and Brophy, who squared the ball to Connor. The keeper was in no man's land, and Connor's goal-bound shot going in the back of the net, but superbly blocked on the line by the defender to keep the game at one 0 Despite protests from the O's player players, but a great block on the line there. Connor really should have scored if he hits it harder. It doesn't matter if the guy's on the line because it be flying past him. But yeah, at that point, looking really good. And Louis Dennis was looking really great at that
1: point. So now we start to see the Louis Dennis that we've been waiting to see for two years. In it's the funny se-
0: that, it? when, you, when, you, when you want a contract, players, some, some players have started playing or raising their game. It's funny that.
1: Isn't it just? In the 17th minute, the O's were makers of their own downfall as Dan Happy lost possession and then ended up bringing down Zanzala to concede a penalty and get himself a booking in the process. Now, we have differing views on this, so you go first.
0: It was a penalty, mate. <laughs> it was a penalty. He gives the ball away cheaply and t- and tugs the man and his man goes down under the referee's uh, eyes. Penalty all day long.
1: Yeah, see, I've watched it back a few times. And I can't see particularly where the foul is or where the contact is. They're kind of wrestling to say wrestling to get the ball. It's not like he's got his hands all over him like when Happy gave away the penalty last time. That was a blatant penalty. This one, I couldn't really see where the contact actually was. Um, so I'm not actually 100% convinced that it was a penalty. But he's made the referee make the decision. And the attacker, I think, will always get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not sure really why Dan's played himself into that position in the first place, unfortunately. Um, so it's poor all round, and yeah, he's got the penalty out of it, you know, is the, is the crux of it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So up steps Mzala, took his penalty to the left, but Vigoru guessed the right way, made a decent save to keep the score 1 0. I think you can say it was a poor penalty, not much pace for yeah. it. However, it was going in, it had Vigoru died the other way. So credit where credit's due. Good save for uh, Mr. Viggs there.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, do you know what, as well, watching on the highlights, I didn't see anybody go up to, to Lawrence Vigarou and congratulate him for saving that penalty. I don't it's know if you've seen spot. it. I don't, think you, I don't know if you've Especially Dan Happy. You should have gone up to him and given him a kiss on the cheek to say I, thanks I, I, for saving I, I my backside. If I mate,
0: I'd be getting my 20 quid out and going, right, mate, what are you having?
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: Wouldn't... Bar? What, do you, what do you want, mate? It doubles on me.
1: Yeah. So, what, so, what, what, so I don't know, I'm not a psychologist or a behavioural expert or anything, but what's going on there? Why wouldn't you go up to him and say, thanks, for sa- well done for saving that? Just generally, if a goalkeeper saves a penalty, the odds are stacked severely against the goalkeeper. So, why wouldn't anyone go up to him and say, well done, Viggs, that was a great save, well done?
0: Yeah, good point, mate. Good point, well made. And, you know, it was a game with more penalties to come, as in the yeah. 20 second minute we won a penalty on our own as again another long ball from Tinjacanola caught out the Carlisle defence Connor Wilkinson threw on goal Bought down by Norman referee pointed to the spot again for me blatant penalty no no complaints for me on that one and again Wilkinson at this point in the game they just could not handle Wilkinson up top and you're thinking why on earth have we not done this earlier in the season
1: why are we 45 games in why are we 20 (laughs) minutes into the 45th game of the season before we've seen this guy playing as a as an up front. Imagine what it had been like with Dan Johnson and Connor Wilkinson up top as a 2 in a 4 4 2. Mind boggles. Great pass again from Tunji Akinola. He's made that goal. That's the second one for him. And, and Connor's done very, very well there uh, to draw that foul out. So up's that Dan Kemp, who took a decent penalty to his right, to be fair, but it, it was the right height uh, for, the, for the keeper to make a really good save. Um, and amazingly, the game is still only 1 0 to the Orient
0: could save absolutely mental game at this point I was watching the stream kind of like laughing to myself like just my wife was like what's going on and I'm like nothing I'm like they just keep missing penalties like it's incredible Um, and Dave Victor both Dave Victor and Quest TV went on to say that the O's are the only team in the EFL who have not scored from the penalty spot this season we have scored in the um, in either the Capital Cup or the uh, in the Johnston Trophy or whatever it's called nowadays, but we have yeah, we haven't scored a penalty in the league this season. But you know you wouldn't expect anything less from Leighton Orient.
1: Yes, it's the only thing we're consistent at. To be honest with you, <laughs> Kemp, Dan Kemp was unlucky there. The goalkeepers, you know, guessed the right way. Not sure why Connor didn't step up to take that one, like you yeah. said. But um, there, there you go, fair play. Uh, Carlisle levelled the score in the forty fifth. Uh, sorry, forty first minute. As A corner from the right was headed towards the back post, Coyote was too strong for Dan Happy as he headed the ball back to Mellish, who smashed the ball past uh past figs well, smashed it into the back of the net basically and made it one all
0: really poor defensively. I mean at this point, we were playing all right, like Carlisle weren't looking like anything decent and just a corner but there's so many fingers to be pointing at. C-Safe from not winning the initial header from the corner and Happy basically just standing there um, mm. on Coyote Beats and really disappointed again from Happy. And Wilkinson's all like literally like next to Happy as well. You no, these aren't small boys. These are big, blokes who can put challenges in are too easy for Mellish I mean routine goal I mean I think that was his 14th goal of the season you can't give players like that space and time in the box from that distance because they're going to punish you and suddenly from being like this is a great game that we're winning it was now a great game where we are drawing, which isn't the same
1: Yeah I mean why was Mellish alone two yards out from goal is my question where's our defence where's our centre midfielders where's our Defenders, why are they all ball watching? There's, there's clearly a crisis of confidence in the, in, in the team that they're just all switched off. Either they're, you know, got flip flops on and, and and deck chairs are out and whatnot, and they're going to be going away on holiday uh, at some point in June or whatever. But uh, just gone and they uh, gone in the head, all of them. They're just not, they're not. Their headspace just does not contain Leighton Orient at all. Five minutes of additional time were added on and in the third minute the O's retook the lead as a poor back pass from Aaron Hayden saw Dan Kemp beat Norman to the ball. He rounded the stranded keeper and tapped the ball into the back of the net to make it 2-1.
0: Crazy half, got even crazier. Fifth goal of the season for Kemp, took it well. Another mm. case of shocking defender defending, mm. another assist for an uh, opposition defender. I mean, he was under no pressure. Um their defender, um, Hayden, mm. no pressure. Kemp's anticipated it. He won't score an easier goal than that in his entire late and Orient career. But at that point, you're thinking, right, going into um, it's an easy team talk, going, get them to get a third and kill the game off, and job done.
1: That would be the straightforward thing to do, but judging by what happens in the second half, that clearly wasn't (laughs) said. I mean, for me, that was a great goal from Dan Kemp, great anticipation, and he's been one of, probably if not the only shining light from this shambles of a season, to be honest with you. Very pleased to have Dan Kemp on board with us for next season. The only one whose head's probably not gone, and the only one who seems to really give a damn... Um, and, and yeah, able good to point, show yeah that. because I think
0: when you when you look at the four players who were brought in as part of this promotion push, you go Tristan Abrahams, well, no disrespect to Tristan Abrahams. Not had, a, barely, chance. Not
1: had a chance. Not had a chance. he's the pitch, mate. And when he has, he's playing on the left wing. Um, yep. So Tristan's done nothing. Nick Freeman has been the biggest disappointment
0: yep. of all of this season by a mile um, from what he's done. And Adam Adam Thompson was looking really good, but obviously he picked up his injury early on, so we only saw him for two games or three games, but looked great. So Dan Kemp has been the one who's come in and is kind of, you know, we've spoken about what Kemp has in Nigel, having League One ready players. He's probably a League One ready player, I would say, and he's going to be a pivotal part of our push next season, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. There was still time for more action though, as a poor Ouse Sise headed clearance fell to Coyote in the box. His curled shot had Lawrence Vigourou beaten, but it smacked the far post and was cleared to safety as the half time whistle went shortly after with the O's leading just about 2 1. I
0: mean, we've spoken a bit about this team literally not wanting to win games, like Harrogate being a key example and Southend, where they've been no, like, you win it, we don't want it. Like, that was another <laughs> point where you would literally just want on 2 1 up and within two minutes they're hitting the post because we just can't defend but half time you know I put down what a, what a half that was from a neutral perspective that was a great game to watch for Glenn Wilkie um, who does come in for some stick I think quite unfairly at points he made a great point about saying how unpredictable we are because normally it's just they play it out from the back and everything goes to Connor on the right-hand side. Because Connor was in the middle, they were playing it more to Brophy on the left. Dennis was looking dangerous. We were mm. attacking from different angles. It was all a bit more less boring. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was really straightforward but less boring. But he just said, look, the O's were being unpredictable at the moment but in a good way because had you scouted Ori you'd be like, you know, I think as Adam said, pass it back... Back to right, back to right. Eventually it comes to the big lump on the right wing and you know he's gonna like
1: shoot, but that wasn't the case because he wasn't playing there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Lewis Fear underscore tweeted us at half time, he said first half to forget for happy, he's been poor. Yeah, the men is eighty and so I can't say much more of this. We really have got some bang average and pretty poor players. It's gonna be interesting to see who is shown the door. Molly Folly 2019 said, that's more like it. Entertaining, comical defending at both ends. Wilkinson can't play down the centre. Really? Brophy better at left back? Really? The idea that we can only play 4-3-3 three, three with these players was a lie and a criminal act which wrecked our season. Yeah, so O's kicked off the second half. One change,
0: Sam Ling came on for Jamie Turley. I mean, to be fair to Turley, he took a knock in the first half and it looked like he was going to come off, but, you know, played for it. So Sam went to the right back Tunji went to centre back. It was one of those where it was like a different game from the get go. Carlisle immediately looked stronger, fitter, like they had had to boot up the backside. And I don't know what we said at half time in our change room, but it was a, it was a different orient side who came out. They basically almost equalised in the 50th minute. Joe Riley drove forward, no challenge from midfield. So I don't know where Rusise was, I don't know where Mackenough was. I don't know where the centre backs were. I think they were running backwards. He took a a, a shot from distance. Again, Vigor beaten, hit the bar and over the bar. And you're thinking, where's the challenge? But Oost held his hands up after and said, "Oh, that was my man." But I don't want to see him holding his hands up. I want to see him sliding in and, and winning the
1: bloody ball. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it was honest of him to hold his hands up, but it's not acceptable to be in that position to do that in the first place. Anyway, Carlisle won their second penalty in the 53rd minute, the third penalty of the match. Joby Mackenough was beaten by Patrick, but his left foot was out as Patrick went to ground and the ref pointed to the spot.
0: Joby Mackenough, you have played enough football to not be giving away a penalty (laughs) so blatantly. I mean, he's left so late, definitely a penalty.
1: Can't complain about that one. Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that one. Defoe penalty. Cissé nonchalantly put his leg out to try and stop it. Not really good enough. What can you say when the manager's given a penalty away? What, what hope do you have when he's, you know, being clumsy in the box?
0: Yeah, good point. So up stepped Alessandra. To be fair, his penalty was excellent towards the bottom left-hand corner. Just beat the diamond. Vigoro went the right way, ball enough off the post, and it was two-all, but that was coming, that goal. Mm. They start the second half so much sharper than us, and at this point you're thinking, right, you're gonna to have to take the lead again and, and not drop it. You can't, you can't keep winning football matches if you're conceding two goals, three goals every week, and, yeah. and, and defending like we are. You
1: know, the last time we started doing that was like under yeah. Ian Hendon, but you know they'd be sort of like three-two kind of score lines, weren't they? Do you remember when yeah. we, you know we were scoring loads, but we were also conceding loads. Louis Dennis picked up a daft booking as he booted the ball away following his frustration at not getting to a long Lawrence Vigarou clearance.
0: Yeah, silly boy there, Dennis. And he was subbed off straight away as Joby also came off made way for Craig Clay and Danny Johnson came off for Louis Dennis, Um, which basically meant that Conor went back on the right-hand side and Danny went into the medal. Interestingly, though, it was mentioned on the stream, I don't think it was captured on camera, that when Joby came off, lots of hugging, lots of embracing on the touchline, Blew a kiss up to the balcony. Very suggestive that that was Joby McEnough's last game as a player. Not confirmed, obviously, by the club um, or by anyone. But it's it seemed to hit the emotional um, element there that it, he wasn't just being subbed off and, and kissing goodbye to the season. It, it looked like a lot more was
1: happening mm. when he came. Fair enough. Good spot there. Connor Wilkinson <coughs> went close in the 69th minute as he drove into the box following a pass from Dan Kemp. And his shot was well saved by Norman, which went out to a court for a corner, which unfortunately, standard orient, came to nothing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the game was there for both teams to win it at this point. Both teams had got three kicks in decent positions. Both came to nothing. So let's fast forward. In the 86th minute, Craig Clay was booked, along with Mellish, as they had a little tussle. Clay was looking awfully frustrated. Um, and the booking was pretty much of his own doing, where they had like a a tangle and then Clay was obviously looking to, for it to spiral into something more. I don't know whether <coughs> something was said or, or whatever, but Clay was lucky there. Clay seemed to be the one seemed to be the aggressor in the tussle there. So yeah, booking there for Crate and Mellish.
1: Almost the winner a minute uh, three minutes later as James Brophy did well on the left, fizzed across um, and sorry, and his fizzed cross was just missed by Dan Johnson in the middle. Oh, what I'd what I'd have loved to have seen Dan Johnson come on and score.
0: Yeah, again Johnson on, looked, and again looking very frustrated. Not the player that we would seen earlier in the season. And so four minutes of additional time were played, and in the first minute, you know what's coming. Carlisle broke, ball came to Tanner in the box. Lots of time and space, lots of bodies. To be fair, he got his shot away aimed towards the far post. It beat Lawrence Viguru, went into the far corner of the net and Carlisle had snatched it. They'd gone three to up. I mean, like I said, good shot, good finish. How much time are you going to give someone in your own box? Come on now.
1: Yeah, uh, it's just not good enough. But who cares? The players who weren't closing Tanner down obviously weren't. So let's move on. Um, there was one last chance for the O's as a long free kick came to nothing and the full-time whistle went... To bring the home season to a close in a in disappointing fashion, as Carlisle took all three points thanks to their late winner, and leave the Orient faithful watching at home well and truly miffed.
0: We were absolutely so. That was the end of the home season. Dave Victor caught up with Joby McEnough after the game. Basically, we're going to play the entire interview today because of the. Um, the, the social media blackout I don't think it has that much publicity and we've got the entire I think it's a four minute interview coming up so here is Joe Jovi McEnough's entire interview post yesterday with David Victor. No, he should
2: have done <laughs> <laughs> well Joby, thanks for joining us a disappointing end to end the home campaign yeah from our point of view um, you know we wanted to finish off with a win it was certainly a game I felt we could have done Um Unfortunately for us, we just haven't quite got the balance right between looking good offensively and creating and scoring chances and and being solid enough at the other end. Um, Again, I think even to lose it as we did... It's just doubly disappointing, really, and um, you know not the way he wanted to, to end the season. No. Connor Wilkinson in the centre uh, position in the first half, he looked a real danger man. Yeah, um, again, it's a, a position that we looked at from our point of view that we felt Con could be very effective today, and he was. You know, he gave us um, you know that little option of, of linking up front, but also that threat, you know, in behind mm. in terms of where the chances came from. Certainly, his goal and, and then the penalty, um, and I thought it was a real bright spot um, in a a disappointing result but certainly in terms of performance wise him and I thought Brose on the left in particular as well looked a real threat as well You wanted a reaction after the disappointment at South End. the result wasn't what you wanted but did you get the sort of performance? Um, not for long enough I think again we've, we've done it in fits and starts throughout the game we've done it in fits and starts throughout the season um, you know from my point of view Again, it was a game that we should have gone on and and won. You know, we were very, very comfortable for periods, certainly in the first half. Didn't take our chances to kill them off. And then, as has happened too many times this year, um, you know, we weren't strong enough at the back and and conceded goals that have obviously cost us the result. Why have the O's conceded so many goals, particularly in the last four matches? I I just think it's, again, I've got to look at myself first and foremost, which I will do. Obviously, I'll set the team up to, to go and play. Um, there's been a bit more of an emphasis on, obviously, I know it sounds silly, but on the, the need to go and win a game. I think when I first came in, it was a matter of really stabilising, getting ourselves solid and, and getting ourselves up and running, which we did. And then there's obviously, once we've got ourselves an opportunity to go and get in the playoffs, we, ha- we have to win games. And we probably have been a little bit too open at times. Um, like today, we, it's a game we wanted to win. We do not want to come today and shut up shop and, and try and nick a 1-0. Um, you know, we wanted to come out and try and play some good stuff which we did but again it's just from our point of view we just haven't got that balance right in terms of offensively and defensively You have to go back to the 91-92 season for the last time that Laidloin failed to score a penalty in the Football League Yeah it's not been a good season in terms of penalties for us um, listen I've got no problem with somebody stepping up and missing a penalty though um, you know Dan Kemp has been fantastic for us Showed great character to come back and get a goal um, in the game and it's just one of those things man I'd back him again if he wanted to take the next one got no issues with him whatsoever technically he's very good he as we practice him he, he takes penalties in training he's taken them before you know in his career um and that's just one of those things they've obviously missed one themselves and then scored one so um no issues with that at all Jamie Tilly okay yeah got a knock he did well to get through the first half to be fair he was struggling a little bit um obviously an enforced change at, at halftime but um, just a whack so hopefully he's uh not too bad just the one game left now Salford City I ain't going to approach that one I think again another game that we've got to try and go and get a result in you know they're desperate for it you know they've, they've had a result today that didn't go the way they wanted it to go so I'm sure they'll be coming out you know all guns blazing to make sure they get the points to, point to give them an opportunity to, to get in the playoffs but well, I said it last week I don't want to be helping anybody you know we wanted to be in the playoffs we haven't made it and the last thing we want to do is now give someone a helping hand to get there and have to watch them you know later on in May and um, you know, so from our point of view, we're going up to try and to win the game and um, try and spoil the party a little bit. Thanks, Joby. Good luck. Cheers, Thank you. Mate. Cheers. Thank you.
1: So, thanks to Dave Victor, as always, for providing us with that. The club have put up a slightly shorter version, uh, a shortened version, sorry, of that. So, thanks very much to Dave for sending that across to us. So that means the league table. Uh, update. Then that loss sees us 11th, having now played 45 games. We've won 17 of those, we've drawn 10, lost 18. We've now got a goal difference of positive 1 and we're on 61 points. Also probably worth uh, picking up on Joby's current record that we've played 15, won 6, drawn 4 and lost 5 as well.
0: So Mr Bearded Legend let's have it. What are your views in on yesterday's game?
1: Well, to be honest... Um, the only comment I have to make is that those players have not been playing for Joby Mackinoff. I think that's very disheartening for him, uh, to be honest with you. Many of these players are either contracted, or some, of the con- some are contracted, uh, or have been offered a contract for next season, which worries me a lot. Because if he can't motivate them now, then we're going to struggle from the off next season. Otherwise, I, I really didn't care about this game. I didn't watch it. I had more important things uh, to do than watch. Uh, to watch that, clear everyone out, start afresh. Season was over last week when we didn't meet our target. Seems like the players felt the same as well. And to think, Nigel was on the podcast saying that Joby had told everyone on his on his interview, if you like, on his job interview, that this was a top three squad. This is a top three squad we've got, and we'll probably be lucky, depending on how other results go, that we stay 11th in the table because you've got Crawley Town on the same points as us. Port Vale uh, in 13th, three points behind us. So, you know, we could end up dropping just below mid-table. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm done with this now, to be honest with you. So I'm not that positive about it. And I don't mean to try and afflict that on other people. It's just checked out for me now. You?
0: Fair enough. I mean, I, I haven't heard that interview before, so we're lucky enough, like you said, that we get sent them by um Dave himself. But um why do I sound more annoyed than Joby McEnough does at full time?
2: Mm.
0: Why is Joby so happy? <laughs> so seriously, I, I, know, I know you have to have a, um, a calmness and a coolness um, for the cameras, and I know that... that there's ways to play it and you don't want to show your hand, but he was too happy for that. You've lost 3-2. All right, the game's meaningless, but, you know, I, was James Brophy amazing down the left or something to be proud of? He was right. It wasn't brilliant. I, I don't... I, I just... I, I'm a bit... I don't really understand some of that interview, really. Um, But for me, another game sums up the season, which ultimately ended in disappointment. The first 25 minutes of that game, it it could have been like 3 2, 4 3 points Mm. in that one. I actually enjoyed the first half, and I think the first half we actually played fairly well. I thought we were unpredictable. We mixed it up a bit. Wilkinson looked the right threat by himself up top. Louis Dennis looked really good. Kemp was getting involved. I thought that was all right. Take out the defensive mistakes. for the penalty and their goal we actually looked right in the first half Um but the defensive weaknesses are still there you know show everyone I think Happy really struggled in that game it concerns me a bit about Happy mm. Um obviously hope he's offered a call. I think Happy deserves to stay he's still very young I think it's easy to forget that Dan Happy's only 22 he's played a lot of football I think sometimes we think he's this you know late 20s defender with loads of experience behind him he's still learning his game he's his best years will not come for quite a few more years than happy um, and if Dan Kemp scores a penalty I think I think we go on to win the game and, and like I said I think that was a decent penalty from Kemp I just think the keeper's gone really early and it's been at a good height for him uh, but for whatever reason the players just can't last 90 minutes and whether that's focus or desire or fitness or ability which is probably a mixture of all of them but they just can't maintain it like, they just can't keep up for 90 minutes and when they scored in like the 91st minute, you're just sitting there going, oh, "I knew that was going to happen." Like I could see like it a mile off, but disappointing. It's another mark against Joby's detractors, you know. But ultimately, that decision will not come down to what me and you say on a on a fan-led podcast mm. or what fans say on Twitter. That will come down to Nigel and Ken um, and the board. So, I think the only thing I've got to say now on this, if that is the last time we see some of those players on the Brisbane Road pitch who should go down in memory is getting us out of the National League. So players like Sam Ling, Joe Widowson, Jamie Turley, Craig Clay, Brophy, Dan Happy, And what a rubbish way to play your final game at Brisbane Road. Mm. Those players should be going out. You know, players like Coulson, who wasn't, didn't f- figure, you know, had we been there and they'd done their lap of honour, I would have s- sat there and applauded those players and given them the send-off they deserve because of what they've done for Leighton you know fair enough Dayton and Coulson haven't really done anything in the last year and you can argue Widowson's been pretty quiet for 80% of the season but I still would have clapped those players off and given them the respect they deserved so for me what a rubbish way for those players to play their final minutes on the turf if that is to be the final way that they play so really disappointing there um, from me so those were our views again lots of your views out there a huge amount of feedback came into us at Orange Outlook podcast hours at the final whistle and just because we read these tweets does not mean that we agree with them Paul Ravens 39 side it by saying if the ball would have the nerve to give Mac enough the job then I don't think they're the right people to take the club forward that's the point I'm at now I think whether or not they offer Joby the job and I still think they will do I, I can't really fault them for anything else but we will see we will see maybe the last two or three games have changed the ball's mind maybe they will look elsewhere who knows
1: yeah absolutely maybe Joby will be part of the interview process
0: yeah. So. no idea
1: Les LK52 said the first half was okay the second half sorry first half okay second half best I beg the club please get a decent manager in now Joby, a great player and a legend. He ain't no manager. Sorry, I'm not 90, sure if I've misunderstood that one.
0: 1965, AC, 1881, just poor quality, disorganised, lazy, sloppy. Again, new blood and new ideas needed.
1: Yeah, Rich p 242 said, another game I wanted Joby to do well. It hasn't happened at all, though. Clear out of players and staff in the summer, desperately needed.
0: Flaherty, MGC. so the typical dead rubber. Neither team looked interested. Carlo had more quality and a better style of football. Our biggest issue this year has been midfield. C Saint Clay nowhere near good enough for this level. Wholesale changes needed in this close season.
1: Yeah, Charlie C eighty seven said, "Disappointing that the foot has well and truly come off the gas. Nothing to play for. Fair enough, but that was gutless. I'd be incredibly annoyed uh, if I were Nigel and Kent."
0: W999, so it's a season-ending with a damp squib. The only conclusion after three defeats in a row is that MacInniff has to move on now. Can't give him the job of merit because overall the results haven't been good enough, and there's not been sufficient change in attitude or organisation.
1: Boatsy said he's so disappointed. Back-to-back back defeats. We created some great chances in the first half, but the second half was just so poor. We need a proper clear-out. Clarity on the manager situation so that we can start to prepare for next season. I just hope that we don't get a hammering at Salford.
0: Paul underscore LT2P says we have got to do something different. C says the legs have gone. Happy has gone backwards. We moaned about plan B, but what was that today? We need a manager and a squad that can play in to Difficult to defend the last few performances. Oh well, next season.
1: Pils the Doman said end beat us having not scored for seven games. Today, Carlisle... Did, having not won for six games. Complete clear-out of players and staff are needed. A fresh start and approach is needed, in my opinion. And if Joby is the man to lead us, I'll support him. But we need a different mentality. That's a great tweet.
0: Really good tweet there. Trousers Techno said there was very little that suggested we are anywhere near good enough and that significant improvement is not required in many departments for next season. A few performances were okay, but most were substandard and we were deservedly beaten. Disappointing end. But thoroughly predictable.
1: Orion underscore Ed said, Oh, the irony, one of the most entertaining games of the season meant absolutely nothing. Cissé was shocking and at fault for second and third goals. He's apparently a defensive midfielder and did not close them down. Happy not good enough either. Add to the get rid of pile.
0: Chef Kent once said brilliant first half, but very entertaining. Less it's about the second half, the better. Happy struggled. Wellison never closed down. Too many players in holiday mode and yet again we did not take our chances.
1: Alan Reeves too said, I must have watched a different game. It was entertaining and we actually attacked and tried to win the game. Cut out the pointless backwards and sideways passing at the back and we're half decent. No need for Joby to dangle his leg for their pen either.
0: Shrimpy underscore boys. Some promising stuff in the first half. Ultimately finishing disappointment in the second. Much prefer seeing Wilco play down the middle. It's an important time for the club coming up. Looking forward to next season. Some consistency would be very nice to see.
1: Spartacus1957 said, Personally, I'd let Joby build a team starting next year. He hasn't picked anybody currently in the squad. Let's put, let him put his mark on it. Loads of changes to come.
0: Dave M1812 it's more exciting of late, but still rubbish. More dangerous first off, but too many mistakes again. And what has happened to Dan Happy? He looks like a mistake waiting to happen. We huffed and puffed. I think most will have to go. And Joby, we need an answer soon.
1: Orient Meat Pie said, literally the only highlight of the season is we haven't been fighting relegation this season. We've been inconsistent and the football has been tedious and dire for the most part. Glad it's almost over. No interest in next week.
0: Richie J Bourne, defending shambles, a backline who cannot read a game but give chances. Bring on DJ and put Wilco out wide. Why DJ, the most isolated player of the season, and no wonder he looks so frustrated.
1: Len Chin Chin one said, "No surprise, not taking away the performance of the goal score of the goal scorers, but that result was inevitable. The team just doesn't seem able to defend, gives away too many corners, forgotten how to play passing forward football." So many changes from top to bottom needed.
0: we Tower 73. the so first half we played OK and looked good going forward, but yet again a team presses us and we fall apart. Subs didn't help either, and moving Wilco out wide was the wrong move. Just hope we see the clear-up is needed.
1: Paul Skinner, 88, said, We need firm news from the club about the manager appointment now. We've had interim far too much for the past two years. Appoint someone ideally with experience at this level, just get on with it, whoever it is, so the fans can decide if we want to pay to watch next season.
0: That's a good point. Maybe the club are waiting, because we had this conversation um, earlier about, you know, nothing about season tickets. Maybe they'll, they're going to appoint first and do the season tickets after. That's very interesting to see what, what's going to happen with that one. Daniel underscore D4-4. Four four. So the first time in the whole season, Walkerson has played down the middle and he looked a threat. It maddens me that management have refused to play two up fronts at any point, and I do not understand this. What would Joby have to lose if he played Wilkinson and Johnson up top together? Daniel underscore D44. I've never met you, but I like you very much. That is a great tweet.
1: <coughs> yeah. Uh, now Na- Nigel Lad White said Ross will be smiling after seeing how our season panned out after he got sacked. The squad was never good enough to reach the playoffs, has been proven. Nevertheless, mainly it's been a season of steady, if unspectacular, progression, considering we finished 17th last year. I think that's a brilliant tweet, to be fair. That's, that's a really also a very tweet. fair point, you know. We, yeah. When you think that whatever happens against Salford, we will finish
0: much higher than what we finished the previous season. So yeah. progress has been made. It may not seem like it, but you know, progress has steadily. Been made. Andy underscore PO16 says the fact we 11th is fraudulent alone. It's been a woeful season, saved only by pockets of wins mingled with stolen points and just keeping our heads above water. If the ball cannot see that an entirely fresh approach is needed, including the director of football, then we are banging trouble. I hope I'm wrong.
1: Finance Kev said the season has, has to go down as a major underachievement, not being near a playoff place. An experienced manager needs to come in ASAP. The Deadwood needs pruning out, and good recruiting is a must. The last two seasons have been wasted. Let's not make it three.
0: Another good tweet Lee Boyce 13 said it's shocking. Four years after the owners came in, we're now back in a position where we have seven signed players and no manager. Progress has happened on the pitch, but that'll stop quickly if we can't keep stability within the squad. We are literally back where we started now. I mean, that is, when you look at it from that perspective, that is another great point in terms of there's only seven professionals contracted. So I'm sure some players have been off the of contracts and already signed them, and,
2: and it's not been announced yet. Yeah. But to the fan, you only Once
0: next Saturday is over, there's no manager or you've still got an interim manager and you've only got seven contracted players. That, that isn't a great starting point. I know, I know, <laughs> I was thinking about this the, this morning. So all I've heard, and I heard in the AGM, is Martin Ling say, well, there's going to be a better quality of player available in the summer because there's players in the championship and League One who wouldn't have dropped down, who will end up being released because of financial capabilities. And I understand that. Yeah. However, there's 23 other League Two clubs. They'll yeah. be thinking the same thing.
1: Yeah, but then there'll be people that just will have much lower budgets that will definitely not be able to afford certain players and will only able, be able to afford certain types of players. And there'll be some that won't want to move north and some that won't want to move south and some that won't want to just go to the southwest or the Midlands or wherever. So there will always be reasons. So, yeah, shoulder shrug. I agree really. with
0: that, but I remember think it was with you, or it was someone else. We were having the West Houlihan discussion. Win West Houlihan side for Cambridge, and most people said he's thirty-six. He ain't got the legs for League Two, and that was a free transfer. And look at the impact of that oh, player there. Yeah. So it's not all about It's 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 so, it's so difficult. It's so difficult.
1: Yeah, Cambridge. I, I don't know where he lives, but Cambridge to Norwich is not sort of massively out of the way. It's not. It wouldn't need to to move home, to, to he wouldn't need to relocate to, to, to be at Cambridge sort of thing. So, um, yeah, but I don't know what his living arrangements are. But Dear Stu said, defended like a pub team for the whole game and got what we deserved, nothing. Why move Wilco back out wide when he was absolutely all over the centre-backs? Personally, I don't want Joe in charge next season. The club are doing great off the pitch. Now it's time to sort it out on the pitch. Forty Carroll 69 I said, like most people, I work half of my money and to
0: buy three season tickets to watch this so-called football next season is a tough call. Why should I bother
1: if the team don't? Ted talks Orient, and I thought we played some exciting football in the first half, some of the best we've played this season. It was great not feeling too depressed at the end of the game as well. I'll be watching the Salford match feeling nice and relaxed.
0: The UVD, NTTG said, We've had two strange seasons post Justin's Dev in Covid. The club is as stable as ever. The football has not been great, but give JP a chance. With his own players in for next season, some optimism and positivity, let's see where it takes us. I actually think that's a a superb tweet. I know lots of people who think that Leighton Orange should, from National League, should have gone straight up out of League Two, and there's no God given right to do that. Throw in. the best manager of the last 50 years Orion even passing away unexpectedly in the summer and retaining most of that squad who have to deal with the uh, passing mm. of Justin. That was never going to happen in that season. Yeah. And add to it this season, the madness of COVID, not having any fans in grounds, the postponements of games due to COVID outbreaks, the fixture pile up, everything else on top of that. It's been a bonkers two seasons. I think that's an absolutely superb tweet
1: yeah but to to just to come back at you on that everybody else has had the covid pandemic to deal with as well they just haven't yeah. had the 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 manager issue that that we or the situation yeah. that we've had that's right come back at me no yeah. one else has no one else has played in packed stadiums. it's not just uh, us alone but you look yeah. at the chelmsford at the chelmsford's the, the cambridges the Cheltenhams, you know they've all done they've all done very well out of this the newports the Morecams, um Final word this week goes to Elvis Memphis who said it's not about today, it's about the whole season. Time to be calm, think clearly, reset. Lots of work to be done. So thanks to everybody who sent their tweets in. Do you agree or disagree with any of those that we've read out? Let us know what you think. You can tweet us at Orient Outlook. You can email us as plenty of people have done over the last week or so. We're Orient Outlook at outlook.com if you're on facebook you can send us a message just search orient outlook podcast or if you're on instagram we are orient underscore outlook underscore podcast so time for the prediction league update then so design Cabby sponsor
0: our at prediction league they specialise specializing company branding advertising print digital and logo design and as well as the 15% of described earlier in the podcast they also get 15% off for all Lays and Orient fans. So if you're interested, you can find James on social media. He's at Design Cadby on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And if you're not on social media, you can email James now at hello at JamesCadby. Dot com. So unsurprisingly, there were no correct predictions for this one. So that means we've just one more game to go in our prediction league. The top of the table has David Lando, 17, sitting pretty on 32 points. And his only challenger now, really, on 29 points is Dan Alton, 2590. They are being chased up the table by John Band, 630, 73. Rob MCC 68 and Wadsey on 23 points. So, one more game. Lots of drama to come on the Prediction League. And thanks for everyone who sent in their predictions to us yesterday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're going to need some, like, a nine goal win, or so a of six goal win with all six <laughs> correct. Predictions and and, and and three points for the correct score but anyway so that, that rounds up our disastrous uh, Saturday against Carlisle Sunday the 2nd of May no news to report so we'll move on then to wrap this up at just about an hour and five minutes so fantasy football update Spurs won 4 0 tonight uh, Gareth Bale got hat-tricks at anybody Uh, with him in their squad will have done well when the points top up after tomorrow's games Elliot Pearce is currently top of the podcast Fantasy Football League He's got two thousand one hundred and forty-three points. He's just ahead of Paul Baker in second place on two thousand one hundred and six points. And Steve, you're doing well in sixty-second place out of two hundred and ninety-five. Although I feel like you've dropped ten spots from when we last spoke.
0: I hate, I hate fantasy football. I dropped Bell about three weeks ago for Son. I hate, hate fantasy uh, well, Son football. Son did. So let's. Um,
1: Son assisted and scored. So you'll be, you'll be all right. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Good to have have Kane as my captain. Though that must have been a good one. So. um positives <laughs> and anything. negatives of the week and so
0: we still have three positives we've got Dan Kemp scoring his fifth goal of the season so well done to Dan Kemp Connor Wilkinson scoring his 12 league goal of the season which isn't a bad return he done well yesterday at points to Connor and the third positive is the youth team results so still three positives in quite a downbeat podcast again so Mr Levy yeah. I leave you to do the negatives yeah
1: so the negatives obviously the ladies situation uh, yesterday's result against Carlisle uh, and uh, the fact that we've lost our last three games on the bounce, we thought yeah. were the three biggest negatives.
0: Absolutely. Had we won those three games, we'd have nine points more. So, yeah. we won those three games, we'd have nine points more. We'd all be sitting here, you know, not <coughs> waiting to uh, for next Saturday, being so excited. So, we'd hero be, of the week. So we.
1: Could, <laughs> we'd be just outside the playoffs. <coughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. So, hero of the week. <coughs> we didn't have um, a hero lined up, but we are going to have heroes of the week this week we simply think the heroes of the week this week are the youth team yes well done turned them over
0: 5-1 so well done to everyone involved in the youth team you are heroes of
1: the week that is absolutely spot on so next week's fixtures then our final league fixture of the season as you all know is away at Salford City on Saturday the 8th of May Salford are still mathematically able to make the playoffs they're currently ninth in league two they lost 1- to Colchester this weekend and Salford have won three drawn one lost one of their last five games so as I say they're competing really with Forest Green and Exeter City for, for that last playoff spot although Exeter depending on how results go could oh, it's, it's, the destiny is in their own hands really in some some regards but yeah shame we're not involved in that
0: yeah so Salford may have to win that game still on Saturday, so it would be a very open second half if that is still the case at that point. And so, before we wrap up, sponsorship reminder, so don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook, on big ads, LFC on Twitter, or go on their website, like we said earlier, or go on Insta, or you can email the boys for all your plastering and rendering needs and a lovely 15%.
1: Oh. Yeah, so that's it. Thanks very much indeed for joining us for episode two hundred and forty-five. It's another poor defeat in what is our last home game of this season, and what's turned out to be a very disappointing season. It's been a hard. It's been hard to draw many positives from the last few weeks, but the last game of the season is only a week away, and then the board and Martin can sit down and properly assess what's gone wrong and how to avoid it in the future. And there will also be, no doubt, conversations going on about contracts, trying to get some business done ASAP. Oh, and a small matter of deciding and announcing who our manager for next season is going to be.
0: So if you listen on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review, and on whatever your platform you are listening from, please make sure you follow us whether that's on SoundCloud, Spotify TuneIn or Stitcher, follow us or add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts as soon as they are uploaded, we are also on all smart speakers um, so, Amazon, so uh, Amazon's Amazon, Alexa's, Echo's, whatever devices are out there, we are also on a fan engagement app called Fan Hub, which is brilliant, so keep your eyes peeled on our social media accounts for tickets to get into that app. And if you have an older relative, a loved one or an orient chum who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone, download it for them and pass the pod. So we'll be back with episode 246 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. We're going to be played out this week by Heather Small
2: and the beautiful M people um, in a tune for moving on up as we have moved up. Well, if you look at it
1: season on season, it's quite optimistic, but, you know, clutching the shorts and everything. So we look forward to hearing from you.
0: And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast.
1: Up the O's.